And your home is a metaphor for your life. And so I always say, if a stranger was coming to your home for the first time and they'd never met you, they knew nothing about you, what would their assumptions be about the people that live there? What would they think? Who would they think you are? What would they think your interests are? Would they get a good idea of what your life is like? And is it an accurate portrayal of who you are and who you want to be? That snippet was taken from this episode where I'm talking to Tanya Yaki. She is the woman behind a business called Feng Shui for the Om. This episode is so good. There truly is so much information in here. I really felt like I grilled Tanya's brain and got everything I could out of her. I've been telling my own friends about this episode ever since I recorded it and saying it's a must listen. She's full of practical advice about how we can turn our homes into our sanctuaries and what makes our home feel just that, like a home. In terms of some specifics, we talk through what Feng Shui is. We touch on the five elements and how they relate to the energy in your home. We talk about how to clear out bad energy or stale or funky energy in your space why you might want to fix drips in your home promptly, how plants and anything from nature is good for your space, and how we can all benefit from having one little corner of our home, even if it's one corner of our couch, that feels like our landing spot. So much goodness. In terms of an introduction, Tanya is a feng shui practitioner and a designer. She's been doing this for 22 years and certainly knows her stuff. She's based in Colorado, but works with clients all over the world. Without further ado, let's start the conversation. Welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. Tanya, thank you so much for being with us today on the Here to Thrive podcast. I'm really looking forward to talking all about Feng Shui and your take on it. Yay, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for the invite. So can we start at the beginning? For all of those people who may not know, what is Feng Shui? How would you define or describe it? Yeah, so Feng Shui is a 5,000-year-old ancient wisdom that originated in China And it was originally used for auspicious placement for like the emperors and the super wealthy in China. And it has since transmuted and shifted and and kind of been more westernized and brought to the U.S. And I describe feng shui the way that I do it. We get to utilize your home as a 3D vision board for your life. And so I come in with my clients and we co-create your dream life by using your home Your home is literally a blank canvas to create the life of your dreams. That sounds pretty epic. How does it work? Is it based on channeling energy? What is the premise behind it? Feng Shui uses the five elements, which 
water, wood, fire, earth, and metal, um, and the cycles. So those things are also found in nature. So feng shui is based on nature, energy, and flow, and uh, just creating the best, uh, you know, optimizing the conditions in your home to create a life that supports you and a home that feels like a sanctuary. Totally makes sense to me. How did you find feng shui? Oh my gosh. I feel like feng shui found me actually, which is usually how it goes when I feel like when you're put on the path of your, what you're meant to be doing, it just kind of falls from the sky and is divinely timed. And so 22 years ago, I, my dad was really ill with cancer and I had a friend that owned a metaphysical bookstore. And so in between hospital visits, I would go over to my friend's bookstore and just kind of hang out and talk and read, read books and look at crystals. And I've, I've always been a total hippie, like I'm an Aquarius, just hippie kid. So anyways, I went in there and my friend that was very psychic that owned the bookstore said, I don't know why, but I feel like I need to give you this book. And it wasn't even really, I wouldn't even call it a book. It was more like a pamphlet because it was very thin and I devoured it. It was all about feng shui. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is actually a thing. Like this thing that I've been doing innately my whole life, you know, I've always been sensitive to the energy of spaces. I was always an intuitive kid and always moving stuff around in my home and in my room. And so it was just like this lightning bolt moment where I realized it was actually an art and a science that was you know, very, very old and very, very powerful. So I got the book and then it set me on my journey of studying with a feng shui master in New York City and then getting my advanced training in California. And I literally have fallen in love with feng shui and done it full time for the last 22 years. And I still, to this day, I feel like it's a lifelong journey because feng shui is such a multifaceted study. It's really, it goes so deep and there's so many layers that you and directions you can go with feng shui that I still, even though I've been doing it for so long, I still continue to deepen my wisdom every year and take courses and retreats and learn from other feng shui masters because there's just so much to learn and, and know. I love that. So your entire career path, your entire journey started from basically a little leaflet that just sparked this interest inside you. Yeah. And it was, you know, I, I always say, follow the God winks, you know, those coincidences that just seem like really random, but they're so not random. They're very, they're guiding you on your path. And so it was literally like feng shui had this perfectly wrapped up bow on top of a box and I opened it. It encompassed everything that I was already embodying, everything that was me. And it, it was a career. And I didn't realize it at that point. You know, back then it was very new and it still had a lot of dogma and superstition and kind of had a bad reputation, very fear based. And so I've made it my goal to teach feng shui and spread feng shui goodness through clients' homes and teaching and helping others by demystifying it and making it less scary and less, I like to call it less fear shui and more fun shui. Because the way I do it, the client, you don't even have to know that I've been in their house and feng shui their house. They literally, it's just creating a space that resonates with who they are and who they're becoming. And so when someone comes into their house, they just go, oh my goodness, it feels so good in here. It's so you. And that's ideally my goal in feng shui. I don't want to have a house full of Chinese tchotchkes or firecrackers or bamboo wind chimes and, you know, all those random things that 
you sometimes associate with feng shui. So I love it to just be a house that feels like you. You mentioned the five elements, but I'm also hearing there is this energy element that is about feeling like us and making us feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'd read somewhere that it was about like channeling life force energy. Is that barking up the wrong tree or is that part of it? Yeah, it's absolutely part of the picture. So uh, feng shui, like I was saying, is a holistic approach. And so chi which is a life force energy um, that you're talking about, that is its energy and energy. Everything is made up of energy. So by harnessing and manipulating and intentionally creating, you know, flows that feel good in your space, that's actually getting the energy to flow in a better way. And we have energy. So the people living in the home, their energy affects the feng shui and then the energy of the home affects the people. So it's this symbiotic relationship that we just come in and we just fine tune the dial to make sure that it's really nourishing and supportive and that the quality of the energy is really healthy and uplifting. I always tell people, you know, when you buy a home that's been lived in by other people, it's like getting into somebody else's bathwater, right? So all of their patterns and their energy and their fights and whatever history has unfolded in that space is going to affect the new homeowner's life. And so whether you're moving into somebody else's house or you're building a house from the ground up, we can implement feng shui to make it yours and to make it have positive patterns. You know, I just had a client that had gone through a nasty, nasty divorce and she was going into a new space. And so I said, you know, we need to clear the energy of your house that you're selling so that the new people that buy it don't fall into the pattern of divorce and arguments and unhappiness. But we also need to clear the energy and feng shui your new space so that you're starting off on the right foot in your new chapter. So how did you do that? How do you go about, say, clearing out the energy of a space that you've moved into or clearing out the energy of a space you're moving yourself forward in? Right. Yeah. Uh, So I practice a style of space clearing and feng shui that is it's got dowsing and I use myself as kind of like an intuitive guide to feel where there's stuck or stagnant energy in a space and to clear it and remove it with dowsing and a pendulum, but not everybody has access to that. So if you're moving into a space and you, or even if you've lived in a space for a while, it just feels stagnant and kind of lethargic, or you're noticing some not so great things happening in your life. I always recommend you can find sage even at Whole Foods or order on Amazon. You can sage your space to clear the negative energy and just open the doors, open the windows, Really just, you know, lift the smoke up of the sage, that sacred smoke up into the corners and just clear away all the layers of negative energy. And then I burn Palo Santo, which is a sacred wood that you can also, you can find it quite easily at metaphysical bookstores or online. And then after I've saged, then I can burn Palo Santo to that infuses the space with positive energy and protection. So those are just really, yeah, simple ways to clear the energy. Also, I find that if people don't, you know, have access to those things, you can just go around your space and clap in the corners and play music and like have a party. Anything that gets energy moving will break up those stagnant negative spots in your space. Oh, that's so interesting. Dance parties all around everyone. Yes. Positive, positive music. <laughs> I love yes. that. I'm going to go blast some music around the house, the spaces in my house that feel a little flat now. Yeah, for sure. Talking about energy, do we always want to increase the energy in our home or is it not that simple? Because you're talking about positive energy. 
But are there other forms of energy? You mentioned balancing as well. Yeah, I think, you know, there's so many types of energy. You think about um, as you go through your day, you you go into, let's say, a friend's house and it just feels super welcoming and you feel so happy and connected and supported with your friend in their house. And then there's other times you've gone to a couple's house for dinner and you open the door and you can immediately feel that in your body that there something is off. Like you don't want to stay, doesn't feel comfortable. And then you find, you, you know, your friend tells you later, oh my gosh, we had a huge fight right before you guys came over for dinner. So your body knows, your body cannot lie. So your body is always picking up on the subtle energy of a space. And you don't have to be a feng shui expert to tune into that. You can feel that throughout your day and through your daily life. But the types of energy, like if you're asking if we want to always amplify the energy in your space, what we want to do is invite positive energy and opportunity into your space. And we want to remove any, you know, stagnation or clutter or limiting beliefs or negative patterns in your space. One thing that I will say is that different areas of your home they thrive with different types of energy. So for example, your front door and your entryway would be more, we want it to be more, you know, bright and welcoming and public. We want the world and the universe to be able to find you and to know who you are by just looking at your front door. But your bedroom is a private space that's supposed to be more nourishing and quiet. Yin in feng shui is more inward energy in your bedroom because that's where you're supposed to go to sleep and replenish your energy. So there's different types of energy that we want to be flowing in different spaces in your home. That makes sense to me. I get it now. So it depends on the area of your home, what kind of energy you want to promote there. Yeah. And your home is a metaphor for your life. And so I always say, if a stranger was coming to your home for the first time, and they'd never met you, they knew nothing about you, what would their assumptions be about the people that live there? What would they think? Who would they think you are? What would they think your interests are? Would they get a good idea of what your life is like? And is it an accurate portrayal of who you are and who you want to be? So I always say, kind of look at your home with fresh feng shui eyes and pretend that you're that stranger just seeing everything for the first time because ironically we stop seeing our own stuff after a while people will be like oh my gosh I didn't even you know I'll point out a piece of art and ask them about the symbolism they'll be like oh my gosh I didn't even realize I had this sad single lonely woman in my bedroom (laughs) like you just don't see your stuff after a while so look at it with fresh perspective and just assess and see is it really demonstrating who you want people to see and view you as in the world. Oh my gosh. I feel like that point is just so powerful right there. Like if we can, (laughs) I'm loving that. If we can all just walk into our homes with kind of like those first impression eyes, like what would I think if I walked Mm -hmm. into this home? What would I think of the people that lived here? What energy are they demonstrating? What are they saying about themselves? Wow. That is super powerful. Thank you. Well, and I had a client too that she did that and she said, oh my gosh, my husband's energy is really not present in our home. Like when she did that exercise and walked through the space, she was like, you know, he loves to play guitar and he's into geodes and he loves to travel. And as she walked through her space, she realized really that only her energy and her interests were were on display. And so bringing that into balance by hanging up his guitars and adding some of his interests in so that you know, he feels like he's a part of the mix. It's really, everybody needs to feel like they have a space that represents their energy. And so just small baby steps to display what lights you up is good feng shui. 
It's funny you say that because I read Nate Berkus's book. Do you know like the Oprah designer yeah, guy? Yeah, and it's I called love the, Nate, yeah. I love him too. It's called The Stuff That Matters. And after I read that, it was probably about four or five years ago and maybe not even that long ago, probably four years ago. And ever since then, I have been very conscious that anything I have in my home has to be meaningful for me. It has to matter because he says like, don't try and design for someone else's likes. Don't get a catalog and pick everything out of it. There is something so much more beautiful about collecting items that mean something to you. Would you agree with that from a feng shui perspective? Oh, a million percent. I absolutely, that's that's the style of feng shui that I practice is that your home is telling your story. And so by bringing in things that have positive memories and that you have a connection with, it really tells a much richer story. And so I totally agree with Nate. I think that what you surround yourself with definitely matters. And our things, they have an energetic imprint and they're affecting us on a conscious and subconscious level. So being very aware of everything you bring into your space, you know, does it, does it lift your energy? Do you love it? Does it add value to your life? I think, you know, so many times I see clients that are hanging on to things just in case, like, I might lose 30 pounds and be able to wear those clothes again. Or my mother-in-law might see this vase that she gave me that I can't stand. But if she comes to visit and she sees I don't have the vase, what is she going to think? And so I encourage my clients, you're not living your life for your mother-in-law. You know what I mean? And so by only having things that you love in your space, it's a reflection of self-care and deep love for yourself. And it sends a message to the universe that you know you're worthy of all good things. And so, yeah, I don't like to have things in your space just for the sake of having them to take up space or just decorative. I mean, I'm a designer as well. And so I'll see a lot of times where a designer has gone into someone's home and it doesn't feel like them at all. I mean, it's beautiful. It looks like it could be in a magazine, but it has no resonance with the people that live there. So my idea of good feng shui and good design is that the people's energy is deeply present in their space and that they feel at home. For me, feng shui is about feeling at home in your skin and at home in your space. Oh, I love that. It's a feng shui I can get on board with. <laughs> I've seen those maps, the feng shui maps, I guess they're called, where the room is yeah. divided into like nine different sections and each section represents a different part of your life. Do you use those kind of maps? And if so, do they apply to every room or can you tell us a bit about them? Yeah, you bet. It's, it's called the Bagua and it's a feng shui map basically is an easier way to say it. It's divided, it's like a tic-tac-toe board divided into nine different life areas. And each of those nine squares has a different quality. You know, it has a different color and shape and person in the family and body organ. And I mean, it's, there's so many layers to the Bagua, to the feng shui map that you can use. But what I use that, I use that to play feng shui detective with my clients because your home will show me I can, by looking at the Bagua map and reading the energy of your space, I can see like you might be missing your abundance area and, or your relationship area might be weak. And so just looking at the nine different life areas and, and looking at what rooms fall into that space in your home, it tells a whole story about what's really going on. And so layering that with all the other 
pieces of my work, it's really profound because you can, you know, a client might call and say, oh, I'm calling you because I'm looking for a career, a new job. And you get into their space and you look at how the Bagua lays over their space and you start to see a different story. And so then I can say, well, okay, I, I can help you with getting a new job. But I also see that money goes out as fast as it comes in. And I also see that your children are struggling in school. And I can also see that you're having these health challenges. And so it becomes this massive conversation and this unfolding at this deep level of supporting them for so much more than they thought that they needed. So yeah, the Bagua map is powerful. And it you can overlay it on your whole home. And then you can also do it room by room. So I call it using the macro, you know, you can work the macro or you can work the micro. So you could apply the Bagua just to one room. Let's say you're renting a room in a, an apartment. You can just apply the same nine different life areas over your bedroom. You can also, I mean, I love this style of feng shui because I can apply the Bagua to my desk um, or to a cubicle for a client. You can use it on your car. I mean, you can literally feng shui absolutely anything with this Bagua. One of the things that I absolutely love about it is that you can just keep diving deeper and deeper. There's so many layers. You know, it can be overwhelming at first, but once you start to understand the elements and the colors and the meaning behind each of the nine life areas, it just becomes play and you can really start to manipulate the energy to support you so much better. I want to touch on that point of abundance because you talked about, yeah. you know, having like energetic drains. I once read, I feel like it was like literally going back when I was probably a teenager in a Cosmo or something. Like it was a <laughs> long time ago. But I read somewhere that if you leave the toilet seats up in your home, so like, you know, rather than seat mm -hmm. down and closed, that it was like leaving an energetic drain in your house that money would, it was like flushing money down a toilet. Would you agree with that? Or is that you wouldn't go so far? Because now I'm like no, very I, conscious. I'm like, I run around my house and yes, don't get me wrong. I think it looks, your husband. Yeah, I think it looks nicer as well. And it stops it the dogs does. from drinking out of the toilet. But I like to shut my toilet tops. Yes, that's a, one of the simplest feng shui tips that I could give anyone is close your toilet lids. And it's 100% accurate what you read. Water relates to the energy of abundance. And Water is a very, um, you know, you think about when money is flowing like a river, right? Or like a waterfall. We want that waterfall of abundance showering down on us. And so water has a strong association with wealth. And the toilet, you know, has water in it, but it's very draining. It's a downward pulling. It's a very strong energy. When you flush the toilet, also it's toxic, right? So when energy is floating around your space and opportunities and money that attaches to that toilet water and gets pulled down and drains on that energy in your space. So very simple feng shui abundance cure is to keep the toilet lids down. But in addition to that, you want to look to make sure that you don't have any leaks in your space and even just slow little drips on a sink because that's your water slowly dripping away, you know, going out as fast as it comes in. And you can add water, like a small tabletop fountain in your abundance area of your space, which on my Facebook page, I have the Bagua, I have the feng shui map so people can get an idea, you know, maybe where things fall in their space and you can get an idea how to apply it to your home. But in the abundance area, if you add a small tabletop fountain, you think about that flowing, circulating, all the good qualities of what we want with our money life. And so adding that in our abundance area 
is a great way to boost wealth and prosperity. Yeah, but also just images of water. So photographs or art that has water or even watercolor art, anything that's a symbol of the watermelon, water element is a great feng shui for abundance cure. I Do you know, it's funny you talk about that because I had a client at the start of the year who was moving to Arizona from a much uh, wetter environment, should I say. And mm-hmm. we talked about her trying to find some form of little water fountain or something to put in her home. Any tips on where we can find good ones? Yeah. You know, I actually just shop off of Amazon. It's a, I'm such a easy, I'm a, all about convenience. And there's it's by Woodstock is the brand that makes a fountain that I love. But if you just search Amazon, they have multiple styles that you'll like. But I have one that actually has these bells, Tibetan bells that circulate around. So they make the kind of chime as they're floating around, the bell will hit the other bell and it will make a beautiful sound. And so that sound is one of the basic cures in feng shui. And so the water and the beautiful sound and the movement, all of that in our wealth area just boosts our prosperity. And I, I like to point out that it doesn't have to be, you know, if, if you hate fountains or your husband hates the sound of water, you know, in your, in your abundance area, you can also just put symbols of luxury, like what feels super juicy and luxurious to you? I mean, is it a photo of a place that you're saving up to go to? Or is it, you know, I just had a client who had a jewelry box that was in her bedroom and it was kind of overflowing with pearls and she had beautiful diamonds. And I told her, I said, that just feels so abundant to me. Like, you know, it was almost like a pirate's treasure. And I said, that would be a perfect abundance cure to just show that you are overflowing with wealth because it really connected with her and it connected with her aunt who had actually been quite wealthy. And so, you know, tell rewrite your story. What, if you're writing your ideal life and you're writing your ideal story, what are the, who are the characters? What are the elements that you're going to introduce into your space? And it just gets so fun when you do, when you look at it feng shui that way. Oh, I love it. I just love the idea of like curating your story through your space. Yes, totally. Talking about the work environment, I feel like you touched on the desk before. Are there any tricks that we can bring to our workspaces to make us feel I don't know, better about our work, more focused perhaps. And because I have a home office, but then some people obviously have to go to work and work in a cubicle or at a desk. Is there anything you can do as well outside of the home at your workplace if it's not a home office? Yeah, for sure. So in feng shui, your office tells us how you feel about your professional life and your desk is the foundation of your business. So whether you have a home-based, you know, you're an entrepreneur working at a home office or you have to go into an, uh, a cubicle or an, another office, you want to use your office to speak in metaphors about your career and about your professional life. And your office tells a deep story about your how you feel about success and how you feel about career recognition and abundance. And, and it totally affects your overall performance in your work. So I like to, I mean, I think the office is one of the best places other than your bedroom and your front door. I think the office is one of the best places to start tweaking and inviting change because you can really capture some new opportunities. So using it as a symbol for who you're becoming, like you do with your home, I would say one of the main things is if someone came into your space, they would, would they know what you do? Would they know what your passions are and what your dreams are? And 
does your office look like the office of a successful person? Is there space also is another thing that I would look at. Is there, because in feng shui space equals opportunity. So if your bookcase is jam packed, you know, with reference books and textbooks and file cabinets and all these things that are just kind of daunting you, I would say, let's create some breathing room in your office. And so take away the books that you don't use anymore and really highlight the ones that speak to where you're headed and what you want to manifest in your career. Another huge thing with your career success and with your office is called the command position. And this is really important in your home as well. But the command position, I like to give the example of the mafia boss, right? Like the mafia boss never sat with his back exposed. He would always be as far back into the restaurant with a solid wall behind him. And he could see everybody coming into the restaurant and he had bodyguards all around him, right? He was not going to be surprised or startled. When you are in the command position, it puts you in a position of power. You can, you have this expansive opportunity in front of you. You have space. It increases your focus and it just sets you up for success. If you can put yourself in that power spot. So if your desk is facing the wall and you're in the corner, like at a cubicle, a lot of people are unable to move their desk. We want to be able to see what's coming behind you. We don't want to be surprised that amygdala, that fear-based, you know, caveman part of our brain is always on high alert when we can't see what's coming to us. So if you're in a cubicle or if your desk has to face a wall, I'd love for you to even just get a small mirror. You can get it at the auto parts store, but just a small mirror that you can place on your computer that allows you to see people coming in behind you. But ideally, you would be able to have your desk facing the entrance, not in direct line with the entrance to your office. And you can see all the good opportunities and connections and supportive business clients that are coming your way. Perfect. That's what I was going to ask you. What is the benefit of this? So it, it helps us stay open to opportunity. Yeah. And it puts you in the power position. It gives you, you, you think about a CEO of a company, right? A CEO is never jammed into a cubicle with his back to the door. He has a corner office with a solid wall and he is in charge. It's very clear that he's the boss. So if you can make your office demonstrate that you are in charge of your career and that you are going places, um, and, and you can do that with subtle things. Like I have a vision board. I have a vision board that I created for my, this for 2017 for my business. And, um, that's in my office and I see that every single day. And so just any subtle reminder or written affirmations of a goal, maybe a financial goal, or if you're looking for a promotion, I also have, I, I painted like a beautiful watercolor piece of paper. And then I wrote down, I can read it to you, but I have this on my desk. Yeah, we still want to hear it. Yeah, so it says, I'm 100% aligned to attracting lots and lots of clients who are, and then I said, abundant and ready for positive change, committed to results, happy to refer their friends, grateful and inspired, and reaching their fullest potential. So that is in my top desk drawer, and every time I open my desk in the morning, I see that, and I know the type of clients that I I'm attracting and that's what I'm putting out and that's what I keep getting. So, so speaking of what you do for your actual job, where are you based <laughs> and do you do, do you do consults like remotely or do you only do them locally? No. So I'm in Colorado. I live in Colorado, but I work with clients all over the globe. And that is what I love about feng shui is that energy is energy. And 
the results that I get for my clients in Australia are the same that I get for the clients that I go into their home in person in Colorado. So yeah, no, I work with everybody everywhere. And all I need um, is your floor plan of your home. And then I have the client take a, they fill out an intake questionnaire. And then they send me tons of pictures of the interior and exterior of their space. And like I said, I've been intuitive my whole life. So I just tune into the energy remotely. And I, I just love like, it's always exciting for me when a client is kind of doubtful that they'll get results or that I'll be able to understand what's going on in their life, you know, when they're across the world. And then I send them an email or we have a Skype call and they're like, Oh my God, how did you know that? How could you feel that? And so it's just energy doesn't lie. And you're space is always telling your story. So let's tell a better story. <laughs> I love the way that you like skeptics. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, someone's good when they appreciate a skeptic. All right. Yes. So I just moved into a new home a few months ago and I feel like everything you're talking about, my husband and I just come home to our new home. We're like, oh, we just love it here. Oh, we love the energy. We're really happy here. And one of the things I wanted to do was put some plants in my home. Are plants yay, nay? Are they a good thing? Do we want them? Should they be in every room, just some rooms? I'd love to hear your take. <laughs> I feel like I need a shirt that says plant lady is the new cat lady because I am all about the plants. Um, yeah, plants are excellent feng shui. They are full of life. They're they're all about growth. Plants are the wood element in feng shui. Actually, my husband might commit me to a five-step program for plants because I keep bringing home more succulents <laughs> and greenery. Oh, and, so succulents and, are uh, good. Yes, yeah, so succulents are excellent abundance feng shui. They, I mean, not spiky, not like cactus or like sharp, obviously, type of succulents, but more like jade. So jade is a their leaves are like round, like coins. And so in feng shui, they consider the jade plant to be the money, money magnet. So, but I mean, it doesn't have to be succulents. Any green, healthy plant that's thriving in your space is boosting your growth and new beginnings. So they're the wood element. They're all about positive new change and gratitude and nourishing. You think about a plant, you know, they have deep roots and they're growing upwards and so that's what we want for you. And so they're a great symbol to have in your space. As far as where they can go in your home, I think they're awesome everywhere with the exception of the bedroom. I try not to have too many plants in the bedroom. I have one small pot with a succulent, but um, your bedroom, we want all that energy and nourishment to be going to you and not towards growing the, the greenery in your bedroom. So Another thing, and I have no idea if this is feng shui, but I'm sitting here in my office and I'm looking at, I, I call it a peace lily, but I know it's not called that in America all the time. But I have one of those and have always had one right next to my computer because I was told once that it sucked up radiation. Do you know anything it about does. this? Yes, yes, it's on the list. So there's a plant, a list of plants that are really good for your home for your air quality and NASA created the list and peace lilies are on the top of that list. So they're a great plant. Also, like I said earlier, I'm totally obsessed with geodes and crystals. And so another good thing to have in your office near your desk would be a piece of black obsidian because it absorbs the negative, you know, the EMFs and any negative energy. So maybe get a hunk of black obsidian to put next to your peace lily. Oh yeah, on my shopping list. I'm just actually yeah. really impressed because this peace lily is doing really well in my office and some of some of my peace lilies haven't been so perky because 
not the best at keeping plants alive. Touching yeah, on that. Well, it, I think plant, oh, sorry, no, I didn't no. say plants are great because they require you to give them love and nourishment and self-care. And it's a great reminder to do the same for yourself. So when your plants, you start to notice your plants aren't thriving, it's a good reminder to tune in and kind of reassess the feng shui of your house and yourself, you know, and, and look at how you're taking care of yourself. And if you have been honoring your needs and, and your space too, like looking at your house to see if it's supporting you. Boom, like right there. How good was that? Wow, that that's why I haven't been very good at looking after plants because self-care has been one of my lifelong lessons. There you go. Now my plants are thriving, people, just so you all know. All my plants look really good in my new home. Yay. All right, that leads really beautifully into what I wanted to talk to you about stress and anxiety. I'm just grilling you here. I feel like I'm just like getting every last ounce of information I can out of you. Obviously... Well, maybe not obvious to some people, but from my perspective, I feel like the world's gone a little bit batty lately and there's definitely a lot of heightened emotions, I think. I'm seeing it in my clients. I've noticed it in a lot of people. How uh, can we apply Feng Shui to calm us down, to ease our anxiety and try and reduce some of that stress in our environment? Oh, absolutely. I think I just wrote an article about this because I think that Feng Shui is seriously the perfect solve for these turbulent times that we're living in. And I'm the same as you. I've found so many clients that are just, they almost feel like raw exposed nerves. You know, they're so anxious and fearful. And so Feng Shui is magical for this because your home can be your anchor. It should be your anchor and your sanctuary. And so I've been recommending to clients that they carve out, whether it's just a single chair, like in the corner with a cozy blanket and a candle and a journal, our energy needs a safe landing spot. It needs like that cocoon feeling to get grounded and to recalibrate because we have all these exterior stressors and anxiety provoking, you know, news and political events and natural disasters. I mean, there's so many things that people are just overwhelmed by. So if you can carve out a space in your home that is a sacred landing spot for your energy, where you can take a deep breath and let your energy catch up with you and just get, I I do a grounding exercise. You can do it in the shower. It's called the white light meditation. And I literally stand in the shower and I imagine that the water is pulling away all washing down off of me, all the negative energies, any energy that I picked up throughout the day, that's not in my highest good anything that I saw on the news, anything that's troubling me, I imagine the water just washing it down the drain. And then I imagine the divine just showering me with white light and protection and putting like a bubble kind of the size of like an egg around my body, but creating a white light bubble around me. And I ask that only that which is in my highest good is allowed to penetrate my bubble of energy. And so I start my day with that protection. And then I end my day by sitting in that chair that's super comfy and I just kind of journal about my everything that I need to release. I call it a brain dump. I just dump everything that happened during the day, good or bad, and just get it all out of me. And then I do a gratitude. I list three, at least three things that I'm grateful for. So I think it's whatever practice is nourishing to your listeners, they need to carve out time for that. I love this idea of a sacred space and I'm a big believer in it too. You mentioned like a comfy chair. What else do you think is great to have in a sacred space? 
Um, you know, it's so personal. I think, you know, I have clients that have mala beads that they meditate on a meditation cushion with mala beads. I think whatever it is that lights you up and makes you feel like you're in the nest. I like, I think of it like a going back to the nest and, you know, you know that you're safe, you know that you're protected. And so for me, I have a crystal, I have my journal, I will oftentimes bring a glass of cup of tea or a glass of water and I have the softest blanket in the universe and I wrap up in that and it's just a way for me to shut it down. I don't have my phone. I don't have any TV or distractions or anything in my sacred space. It's literally, it's a way for me to reconnect to my highest self. And so completely up to you, whatever that is for you. I also have fresh flowers in there. I change the flowers out and that's a reminder for me to keep the energy fresh and uplifted. I love that you touched on flowers because I've always been a big believer in having beautiful fresh flowers in my home. And I was almost nervous to ask you about whether <laughs> cut flowers were a good thing or a bad thing because I was like, I don't want her to say that like Yay, cut flowers no, are a bad flowers thing. Flowers are awesome. I mean, honestly, anything that's from nature or reminds you of nature is good feng shui, period. Whether it's geodes or flowers or plants or water, you know, photos of water, anything that has that, I mean, because nature is just is just intrinsically good, right? You just feel good. When you're going for a walk out in nature, your body just takes this deep sigh of relief and you just really, all your problems melt away when you're on a really awesome hike with people that you love. So yeah, I think flowers are awesome feng shui. And, you know, a lot of times people will say they can't afford them or it's a luxury that they, you know, or it's too much trouble to think about buying fresh flowers. And in that case, I always recommend orchids. Trader Joe's has them for like nine, 10, $11. I mean, and orchids are a symbol of luxury and power and they last a really long time. So if you don't feel fresh flowers or if you can't maintain that every week, then I would buy yourself a really gorgeous orchid in a color that you love and bring that into your space. Good advice. So I assume we have to keep our flowers fresh, right? We don't want them dying in our space. Right. Well, it's just like the plants, right? So watering your plants and paying attention to those is is a total translation of how you're taking care of yourself. So changing the water, getting the fresh flowers. I think even just buying fresh flowers for yourself is an act of self-love. So I think that's always good feng shui. You know, maybe I'm like a secret feng shui practitioner because that's where <laughs> that's where I have always put it. And they're like, and the, I call it a joy trigger. It makes me happy and it's a self-care yes. activity for me buying flowers. So for yeah. sure. And I think if it's not flowers for someone listening, if they're like, no, that doesn't resonate with me at all. They have their version of flowers, you know, whether it's when they buy themselves uh, a new book that they've been dying to read or a really good bar of chocolate. Everybody has their thing that they know instantly boosts their mood and makes their house feel happy. So do more of that and do less the things that drain you. So you're asking about, you know, creating a sacred space and creating a sanctuary. I think if we can eliminate those things in our space, there's so many times that I'll see people hanging on to those guilt trips or furniture that they don't love or things that just are a constant reminder of times that they were broke or times that they were going through a bad time in their relationship. So either eliminate those things and bring in things that make you happy or at least clear the energy a little bit. That makes sense. I just want to touch on the point. I can remember a number of years back, I think it was when I was first 
introduced to the idea of a sacred space. And I looked around my home and I thought, well, that would be a luxury. I don't have anywhere I can do that. And I was kind of a little resentful when I would probably have heard you and I talking about having a sacred space. I started mine, which probably wasn't the best energy, but in my wardrobe and I had a little mm-hmm. shelf and I put special stuff. But I've heard other people talk about like a windowsill or your bedside table or literally somewhere a tiny space in your home that you can start creating this sacred spot. Would you agree with that? Oh gosh. Yes. It doesn't have to be big and luxurious. Like I think that's, what's daunting to people is they think it has to be like this sex in the city, humongous room that they can spin (laughs) around in and luxuriate all day. And that is who has time for that. That's not real. That's not real life. So no, your sacred space could literally be a tiny corner of your nightstand carved out just for you. And it's got visual reminders that cue your brain. Okay. I'm worthy. This is my time. I'm ready for all good things coming to me. And maybe it's just something small that reminds you to take a deep breath. I mean, I had a client in New York that had a tiny apartment. And so she's like, you know, I don't have room for like, I want to meditate and I want to have like this whole sacred space, but I really just don't have the space for it. And I said, okay, what, Find the coziest corner of your couch, right? And that can be your sacred space. That can be your landing spot. And just put the things you love near you there, whether, you know, it's your gratitude journal or it's just a place on your couch that you sit and take three deep breaths. Or if you do an hour meditation, whatever you have time for, it's just making space and really claiming it. I mean, I think so many women these days, you know, I go in their homes and they'll, even when they have a gigantic 8,000 square foot house, I'll say, where, where is your room? Where are you in this space? You know, I don't see any room that tells me who you are or where you're headed. And so just even having that chair or that corner of the couch that is your landing spot, it speaks volumes about how you're showing up in the world. I think I love the way you call it a landing spot. That feels really, well, it feels really doable. And just having this conversation with you when I'm talking, when I'm thinking about my own journey and kind of coming back to myself and when I reconnected with what I would say my spirit and my power, the first step I took actually was creating this little sacred space. And it's just so funny to think that full circle, Mm. when I started carving out this tiny little spot for myself that's when I felt like I started coming back to me. So I'm sure so many mothers and women and can probably relate to that, looking around their space mm-hmm. and going, where is my landing spot? Well, and if you don't have, like, so I had another client that loved to sew and she was telling me about, and she had all these beautiful quilts in a closet. And I thought, okay, wait, do you still sew? Do you still love to quilt? And she said, oh, I love it. And I said, "Where? where's your sewing machine? Where are your fabric samples where where is it that you're doing this thing that nourishes you and is your creative expression and your gift in the world where in your home I don't see a space for that in this humongous house and she was like no everything is in the basement I don't in my sewing machine I have and I'm like if you if your sewing machine doesn't have a spot doesn't have a table isn't set up for you you're never going to sit down and sew. You're never going to quilt. Same thing if you're a writer. If you don't have a, you know, a cozy spot with some paper and a pen or your laptop, you're not going to carve out time to write that book that's been on your heart for your whole life. So create a space for what you want to create in the world and it will happen. It has to because you've, you've invited it. You've told the world, hey, 
this is where I do my sewing or this is where I do my writing or this is where I do my meditation. So, oh, so powerful. Okay. I want to jump into my little questions that I ask everyone. And I think this is going to be really fun with you because we'll learn even more about (laughs) you personally. Okay, Tanya, what is currently sitting on your nightstand? Okay, on my nightstand right now is a selenite wand that I got at the gem show recently. It is so beautiful. It's like a lightsaber. It's gorgeous. Then my favorite photo of my hubby and I from our wedding. It's so it just lights me up when I see it because we've been together for 23 years and I'm still completely madly in love with him. And then I have a book. Actually, I don't recommend a lot of books in the bedroom, but I have usually the one book that I'm reading on my nightstand. So I have the book, The Abundance Code right now on my nightstand. And I have that little succulent that I was telling you about. Oh, very nice. What is your favorite self-care activity? Do you have one? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so, I'm like ridiculously selfish with my self-care. So, um, I get reflexology once a week. It's, I call it preventative medicine. So I go to this place and they like, they know me. I'm like Norm at Cheers. I go in and I get my hour reflexology every week. So that's probably my favorite thing that I do for myself because it's consistent and it's feels so good. And my body is just like, thank you. Oh, exciting. I like the fact that it's consistent. I think there's something to be said about the consistency in self-care. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite book, Tanya, or one that has had an impact on you? Mm. You know, I'm such a bookworm. I absolutely love to learn and read, As I mean, every day. Let's think. Okay, so recently, like a year ago, I read The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy, and that just cracked me wide open. It was awesome because – you know, I talk a lot about inner feng shui. I mean, for me, inner feng shui is working on your limiting beliefs and clearing away old patterns and rewriting your story and doing things like meditation, self-care practices. That's the inner feng shui. And that book just reiterated everything that I had known to be true in my life, which is we have this whole, you know, inner world, this subconscious programming that needs to be rewritten. You know, you have to re-update your software. (laughs) Mm, That sounds like a really interesting read. I'm going to have to look that one up. It's good. It's old. It's still in print, but it's an older book. Uh, I think it's from, he was, wrote it in like 1960 or something. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wise before, before the times probably. Yes. Old wisdom. (laughs) Do you have a favorite long road or life lesson that took you a good while to learn, but really hit home once you got it? Uh, I think just stop trying to control everything. I, in my younger years, I always tried to tell the universe what I needed. And I've realized in my old age that the wisdom, universe is in your always, wisdom. yes, in my wisdom, in my crone years, that the universe is always conspiring on my behalf. Like literally every time I surrender and I stop trying to control outcomes, it always unfolds perfectly. And it's just waiting for me to just let go of the reins. Oh, I like that. So you've learned the lesson of surrender rather than control. Yes. And it's a tough one for me because I'm an only child. I grew up kind of trying to control so much and then just realizing it doesn't get you very far. It's a false illusion of, of 
control and we're not in charge. (laughs) Right. I do think control is a little bit illusionary. It's something I also struggle with. I sometimes need to just step back a little bit and stop striving and start accepting. It's (laughs) What is one thing in your day you can't do without? Oh my gosh. Bhakti chai every single day. It's a chai concentrate from Boulder. It's made fresh in Boulder every day. And uh, I make a cup of bhakti chai every morning. Can't live without it. As in like chai, like Oprah drinks drinks chai. (laughs) Delicious. And it's so good. It's like really spicy and earthy. And it's just, I don't know, it grounds me. And it's a beautiful ritual I've had for like 10 years. Gonna have to try some chai. Yes, so good. What is a fulfilling life to you? Uh, Doing what you were born to do, surrounded by people that love you and support you and just sharing your gifts openly with an open heart and with deep, deep gratitude. Oh, that was so good. That's a new question. You're the first person I've asked that one. (laughs) Thanks. I love that. And how would you describe the soul? <laughs> so just this some is light hilarious. questions. <laughs> yeah, just a little light reading. Um, so this is so funny because my daughter is she's a very old soul. She's very psychic. And we were driving the other day and I had a friend that passed away from cancer this week. And my daughter said, Mom, we were just driving out of the blue. She said, Mom, what do you think your soul looks like? And so we had this really philosophical conversation. So I told her in my brain that your soul is like a bubble, like this beautiful iridescent bubble, and it floats around with your essence inside of it. And just even though if it's not in your body any longer, it just floats to the next destination and the next destination, kind of gathering all the beautiful lessons and pieces of you inside that bubble. Oh my gosh, how gorgeous is that? And I'm so sorry to hear you lost a friend this week. Mm, Thank you. Yeah, it puts everything in perspective. I mean, uh, you know, it's really interesting because at the service we were talking about, if you knew that you were dying, you know, tomorrow or this week or this month, what would you be doing differently? And who would you spend your time with instead? And would you still be doing the projects that are on your to-do list? And so it's been very humbling uh, to think about that this week. Oh my gosh, that really, my little heart is just warm thinking about that. Like, are you Mm -hmm. doing what you would if you knew your days were limited? Right. (sighs) Okay. Talking about that, I feel like it moves in some kind of awkward-ish kind of way onto our, talking about cleaning up our lives. Our our homes, reflections, I think about that book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Mm-hmm. Is a good feng shui to have our homes tidy? Should we be cleaning them up? And I guess going along with that, is it the same in our lives? Yes, all yes to all of it. So clutter is stagnation and it's the stuck places in our heart. You know what I mean? It's those things that we keep, whether it's out of guilt or just in case or because we don't trust the universe to show up when we need it. So for me... It's not about, you know, oh my gosh, you have to declutter your house in 27 days and make it perfect and completely organized. That's not, to me, that's not the goal. But to have your home filled with things that, like we were talking about, that you love, 
that absolutely light you up and that are positive reminders of where you've been, where you've been, where you're going and who you hope to be. I think that is good feng shui. I love Marie Kondo's book. I love the concept most of all of asking, tuning in, does this bring me joy? So, you know, I think that's a really good method of decluttering everything in your home and your life. Does this person bring me joy? Does this outfit bring me joy? You know, whatever it is, if it's not bringing you joy and if you don't love it, it's slowly draining your energy. It's draining your life force. So, yeah, I think decluttering is important, but I think on a different level. And I, like I said, this week has been very enlightening for me to cut away all the detritus and make space for the, the people, make time for the people. You know, I mean, I'm always very conscious of being connected with my family. My family is my whole life. But, you know, putting my phone down when I'm talking to my kids and not cooking dinner and talking to my husband with my back to him um, or not multitasking while I'm working on a client's, you know, feng shui, all of those things. It's just I've really focused on what's important. Yeah, I feel like when we're talking about decluttering our spaces, it really does apply to our lives as well. Like, can you look at your diary and are you doing things that bring you joy? And if not, then how can you change it, right? Yeah, and it's interesting because in a feng shui perspective, where your clutter is in your home tells me a whole lot about where the issues are in your life. And so that's always really interesting, you know, to... I had a client whose whole basement, her mom had passed away. She was super close with her mom and her basement was filled with all of her mom's belongings and all of these things that were keeping her anchored in the past. And there was literally no space to move at all. And your basement is your foundation and it's also your subconscious. And so I was just talking to her about like, you know, she was having a hard time moving forward and she was really kind of stuck and mired in grief with her mom. And I thought, you know, if we could just create a little bit of breathing room, just, I mean, I'm not telling you to empty it and get rid of all of your mom's belongings, but, you know, pick the things that really, really connect you and have this, you know, memory with your mom and display those, like have those out in your house that you're reminded. Don't have them stuffed down in the basement where they're not being honored. Mm, That's such a powerful point. Ah, I have loved this conversation. I swear I could talk to you for like hours. I have a million more questions I could ask. This has been so fun and what a great introduction to Feng Shui. And I love that we're just talking about it at a bit of a deeper level too and that joy element and so much of what I believe in so wholeheartedly from like a psychology point of view and and a happiness point of view. But I want to bring it to a close now. If you were to leave our listeners with a couple of simple little things that they could do to enhance or channel or whatever the word would be the feng shui in their house besides shutting their toilet lids. Is there <laughs> any other simple hacks like that that we could all just start implementing? Yeah, I always tell people to start at their front door and look at it, like we said, with fresh eyes. But is the pathway to your front door open and, and clear? And is your address visible from the street? And is your doorbell working? Can you sweep off your front porch and buy a new welcome mat? Because your front door is like the mouth. It's, it is the mouth of chi in feng shui. So it's, the, it's where all the energy enters your home. 
And it's like, it's exactly like the mouth in your, on your body. It's where the nourishment and everything comes in. And so I would have them look at their front door, make sure that they're using it. I know a lot of people don't use their front door every day, but open it up, get fresh energy coming in and make sure that it feels really welcoming to all those opportunities that are trying to find you and make sure that they can find you because they come in your front door. So even painting your front door, a color that you love or adding some, you know, trees to flank your front door, um, or even just a new doormat, if that's all you can manage right now. Oh, I'm feeling like such a winner after I bought two little trees to flank my front door. It's much Yay. more obvious <laughs> of an entrance now. I did Plant notice. <laughs> I did. I did notice that you also mentioned in your entranceway inside your home to try and have it bright and light. And did I see on your Instagram something about mirrors in the entranceway? Oh, that was a cure. Yeah, it's a specific feng shui cure for um, when you're wanting a new job or if you're uh-huh. wanting to be promoted in your career. So usually. Not always, but usually your front entryway relates to your career and your life path. So that that cure was about light, you know, adding light and expansion and a sense of possibility inside your entryway. But besides looking at your front door, I would also make sure that the bedroom is your favorite room in the house. I think it's totally underrated in feng shui and it is the place where it's like recharging your phone battery. It's where our bodies come to rest and rejuvenate and heal and so and connect and so take the tv out of the bedroom you know buy yourself some beautiful new linens make sure that the art that's in your bedroom is symbolic of the relationship that you want to be in and just have it feel like that huge welcoming sanctuary that you want to come home to every night thank you tanya this was wonderful i loved it thanks for the opportunity to chat I hope you felt that conversation was as valuable as I found it. I have linked to so many things in the show notes. I have got links to Sage and the Palo Alto that she mentioned and how you can buy that directly off Amazon. I have links to Tanya's website, Feng Shui for the Om, and that is the number four. But I also want to encourage you to follow Tanya on Facebook and Instagram. I'm not kidding when I say she probably has my favorite Instagram profile ever. She shares so many Feng Shui tips in there. It is unbelievable. And her images are just gorgeous. So go and find her over there at T-Yaki. So to spell that, it is T-J. A-H-N-K-E. I will link to that again in the show notes. Finally, I've also taken that map that she mentioned, the Feng Shui map, and it is on my website under this podcast. So if you want to find that, head to www.thrive.how forward slash podcast 66. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell one of your friends. I've been telling all of mine this week. It'd be great if you could take the time to write a review. www.thrive.how forward slash review should make it easier if you're on the older versions of iTunes. But really, if you can share with a friend, that would make my day. Till next week, keep thinking about life in a positive light. Keep looking for the good. And most of all, keep thriving. Keep thriving.